Well, we are doing a series this whole year called The Three Journeys. What's it about? Spiritual growth, right? And we grow along these three paths. We chop it up, as John Arnaud does, the head of our organization, into three unique journeys. The inward journey, really finding out who we are in God. The upward journey, finding out more about God. What is he like? What does he expect from us? And the out, I'm sorry, did I say upward or outward? That's the upward journey is God. And the outward journey is how do we relate to this wonderful world we're in and these other human beings that God made. We are, for four months, solidly in the inward journey. And we are talking about every aspect of it that we can in four months. And we just finished a series on the book Way of the Heart by a guy named Henry Nowen. Has, did anybody actually read the book? I'm just, you don't have to. I mean, obviously, okay, we got Justin. That's all right. I'm giving you a pretty good, pretty good synopsis in these, in these messages. But we talked about solitude, getting alone and encountering God. We talked about silence, carrying God's internal presence and awareness of him with you. We talked about praying always, being the result of those th- three things. And then if you looked at the bulletin, you would see that this week was supposed to be a make it practical message. Okay, that's great. We've got all the components. How do we do that? How do we actually put that into our normal lives? short of becoming monks and moving out to the desert. And you know, it relates to something very interesting and so simple that it, it almost might get a groan when I tell you guys, but it's this, it's, it's time. Time. Time is the key ingredient to making not only the inward journey work, but all of the journeys. So we're going to look at some stories today and They do, in a way, relate to the inward journey, the upward journey, and the outward journey. They all work for the inward journey, too. But we're going to tie it up with a story that shows how it can be pivotal in a specific moment to give God your time. And that story, that conclusion, relates to all three journeys. And actually, as I was studying this, i got to tell you, some messages are more fun than others. (laughs) It's just true. And when I was studying this, I had multiple moments where I was like, oh, man. At one point, I, was just, I said, no way. And I just got up and I had to walk around for a minute. Like, that's awesome. Never saw that before. So when you're a nerd about the Bible, you get excited about this kind of stuff. So <laughs> it's true. Another book, if you want to read it, if you, if you care about cool books, I do. It's this one. This is a book called Margin. That is my old beat-up copy. And if you want to feel like you have a right to take time for these disciplines. And you, you just can't, maybe you're a hard-driving type A personality and you want to allocate time to this kind of stuff, but you just have a hard time actually doing it. This book will help you feel much better about making that decision. So I highly suggest it. All right, who's ready for the first story? I am. Yay, okay, story time. Now we have a, a story time game. You have to guess the story on some of these. First one, what story am I about to use? Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary. Leonard Duke has got it from this old, I don't know if that's a drawing or a painting, but it is a lady working in the background, another lady listening to a guy with a beard that must be Jesus because he's wearing a sheet. So, excellent. (laughs) Let's read the story of Mary and Martha together. Here we go. Now as they went on their way, that's Jesus and his disciples, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Somebody say, Martha welcomed him. Martha Martha welcomed him. Very important. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. 
But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I grew up in church. I've heard this preached about a hundred times. And if you're new to church and you've never heard this before, don't feel bad. It's just some of us were forced to go to church three times a week for 35 years. And I've heard it said, no offense, hey, I appreciate it, Mom. My mom's here. i got to be careful. I love you. I have strong spiritual heritage because of you. Thank you, in fact. <clears throat> but I heard this story, and a lot of times they'll ask you, are you a Mary or a Martha? And what they mean is they mean to create this divide and say Mary represents the contemplative type of person that just wants to listen to Jesus, but Martha's a doer. And there's usually a tinge of, isn't that not fair, that the doers aren't considered as spiritual as the contemplatives? And that's, I just think that's nonsense. That's not the point of the story. The story has a very clear point, and it's not that. We're going to look at it. First, some hard facts about Martha. And Martha definitely made a boo-boo in this story, but it wasn't obvious to her immediately. We have to take time to listen and encounter God. Take time to listen to and encounter God. Who invited Jesus into her house? Martha, right? Martha invited him in. So she has no time for Jesus now because of her serving. Don't you find that curious? She invites Jesus Christ into her house and then ignores him. She's ignoring Jesus. That's crazy. And, And you get into it and you discover that serving and teaching are key words in this text. And they're very interesting words in the Greek. So Martha invites Jesus in. Jesus starts teaching. And Mary's listening to the teaching. And you have Martha who is distracted by serving. You can be distracted from God by anything. Anything. She thought she wanted to be a good host, so she was doing normal routine stuff. Let's look at this word serving. Now, I haven't taken Greek yet, but I do have the Blue Letter Bible app, and if you don't have the Blue Letter Bible app, you should probably download it because it's awesome. And you, too, can be a fake Greek scholar like me. Amen. This word in the Greek for serving is diakonia. Why is that important? Because it means ministry or service. It can mean just serving duty, like waiting tables. But in a Christian world, this has a different connotation. This is used for ministry, service offered unto God, service done in the church. In fact, it's where we get the word deacon. So this is a special word. So anything can distract you from God, but the fact of the matter is... Martha is ignoring Jesus for ministry. Martha is ignoring Jesus to serve Jesus. Do we see how there's a divide there? We have to take time to listen and encounter. Many of us may live our Christian lives here. We've invited Jesus into the house, and then we're so busy serving him, we ignore him. He's in the living room, but we don't talk. It's not really a relationship. We have to take time. It must be intentional. This word teaching, what Mary's listening to, shows that she's not just being lazy. She's not having coffee table conversation with Jesus while Martha does all the work. You know what this word teaching is? It's a word that can mean teaching, 
can mean the whole philosophy of a teacher. It's the word logos. Yeah, it's crazy. And guess what? This has a special connotation in Christianity as well. Jesus is the living logos, the living word, the living revelation of God. That is astounding. He's actively teaching. He's downloading the DNA to Mary in the living room, and Martha is washing dishes. That's nuts. Martha is being robbed of the logos by good service. And this is the point that I want to make. Now, I see that those looks, you know, this is why certain people come to my house and I don't let them do dishes. I'm just saying, okay. <laughs> so, anything can distract us from God, all right? We have to take time to listen to God and encounter God. Next story doesn't have a cool logo, but this one's important. Jesus has just sent out his disciples. Okay, I'm painting a picture for you. And he says, you guys are going to do this thing on your own now. I'm giving you power to do miracles and cast out demons. Go out two by two and go get them. While they're out, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, is taken into prison and beheaded. So some heavy things are going on for Jesus, right? The disciples are trying to trial run. You know, his cousin dies. Jesus is no doubt probably reminded that he's going to die soon. The disciples probably looked at that. They heard about John and were like, whoa, this political climate's getting pretty harsh. What's going on, Jesus? So they come back and they report all the things that they've done. They know the climate they're living in. And this is Jesus' response. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure, somebody say leisure, leisure, even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place, again it says, by themselves. Things are getting hot and heavy. Life is hard. Things are going on that are hard to deal with mentally. Emotionally, they're strung out. And Jesus says, you guys need a break. Come away by yourselves. Let's go to a desolate place so that we can have some leisure. It doesn't work out. The crowds eventually find him, and this is when he feeds the 5,000 because he has compassion. But the minute he's done, you read this, the minute he's done feeding the 5,000, he hands out that last loaf of bread the last guy swallows, and this verse is here. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethesda, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. He needs his disciples to have a break. You realize what he does here? He's the attraction, right? Everybody's there for him. He's feeding the 5,000. And he says, I'm going to take the bullet. You guys go, quick, get on the boat, run away. While they're paying attention to me, you guys get out of here so you can have a break. And then Jesus dismisses the crowd, and he's so strung out, he just needs to go up on the mountain and have some time with his father. And he's there alone until nightfall. There are some things we need to hear as well in this passage. We need to take time to be refreshed. We talked a lot about solitude as being the place of encounter where we battle the false self, and God helps us in our struggle against you know, our sinful nature and the enemy and we do battle. That's good. We need to do that. We need to recapture that discipline. All of us do. But you know, you need time to do nothing. 
And this margin book will make you feel better about that as well. So if you have a hard time gearing down and doing nothing, you might want to read this margin book that I had up there earlier. See me after. But look, Jesus arguably has the most important job in all of human history. And he's training the 12 guys that will have the second most important job in human history. And downtime is factored in. You need a break. Knowing when to take time to rest is part of spiritual maturity. Take time to be refreshed. None of these inner journeys, outer journeys, upper journeys, if you're strung out, it's not going to make a difference. You know, Chris, you, you weightlift and stuff. Like, I like to weightlift too. We talk about how much we lift from time to time. You know, my max is like, let's say, X amount of weight. But what's my max lift on any lift going to be if I've just run two marathons and been up for 48 hours? Nothing. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to be able to lift my own body off the floor. You know, we need to be refreshed if we're going to do anything productive. Is that horse beaten to death? And then beaten some more? Everybody say yes. yes. Amen. Take a break. Next story. Game time. You guys ready? Yeah. Who's got this one? Oh, I saw, I heard Jerry and I saw the hand. The good Samaritan. You got it. You got to just yell it out in this church, man. Just forget the hand. Just yell. The good Samaritan. This was another one of those stories that made me go, wow, I never thought of that before. Let's read it. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, which, according to the commentary I read, was a notoriously bad road. So right away, he's setting up the story. Like, he, guy's going through the ghetto, and guy's going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance... A priest was going down that road, and when he saw that he passed, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, and all the Jews would boo because they didn't like the Samaritans, and the Samaritans didn't like them too much. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Somebody say compassion. Compassion. Yes. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> compassion. Compassion. Yes, have compassion for me. Please help when I ask you to repeat something. <laughs> when the Samaritan saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he sent him on his own animal, set him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. We've heard this story, if you've grown up in church, three days a week, like me, thank you mom, we covered that, appreciate it. Even when I wanted to play street football, I had to go to church. <laughs> I've prayed through it, no hard feelings. We dealt with that earlier in the service. Many times, this story is used to portray the priest and the Levite as being cold and uncaring, because the story hinges on compassion. So when you hear this story preached, we imagine, or maybe we've seen skits and seen it acted out, and this guy's writhing on the ground, you know, help me, please, and you know, the priest is all dressed nice, and maybe he throws his head over to the other shoulder, and oh, gross, I don't want to help that guy, what a loser, and the Levite comes by, both of these should have helped him out, by the way, that's their brother Israelite on the ground, you know? The Levite comes by, and oh, man, jeez, the, the nervous on people being beat up on the side of the road, gosh, <laughs> 
and just keeps going. And then the Samaritan comes by, and the Samaritan is a human being, right? The Samaritan has the appropriate response and says, oh my gosh, he's half dead, I've got to help. The problem is the word compassion. Because we think of this a certain way in English. Here's a definition. Compassion. A feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate their suffering. Okay, that's fine. But I'm going to show you a slide that's a screenshot from the Blue Letter Bible app, which everyone should get if you don't have it already. And this is the Greek word that they're translating compassion, okay? And there's a key difference. So this is the English. Here's the Greek. Does anybody notice anything funny? Splanch is very funny. English, Greek. Nobody? It's a verb. Compassion in English is a noun. Compassion in English is just a feeling. Gosh, I feel bad for that dude. Oh, I wish I could help him. Whoa, hold on a minute. This word is used 12 times in the New Testament, all in the Gospels, And except for this story, they all relate to Jesus. Do a mini-word study. It's only 12 times. And every time, it results in action. Every time. In fact, Mounts' expository says of this word that this is what caused Jesus to heal. This is what pushed Jesus to action. This is not a mere feeling. And that takes away a certain option of interpretation from this story. That means we can't say the priest and the Levite were cold and unfeeling by our English definition. That option is taken away from us because biblical compassion entails action. So we have to ask another uncomfortable question. If it's possible that they felt our definition, they felt really bad for the guy and they wanted to help, why didn't they they stop? Were they just busy? Really got to get to Jericho by five. Poor guy. Oh, have an appointment. I'm sure somebody else will come by and help him. Oh, man. Does this sound a bit familiar? I've got the emotions. It's just the actions I'm short on. And biblically, my emotions then don't even count because they're not accompanied by action. Oh, man. Are we busy? We have to take time to listen to God and encounter God. You have to take time to be refreshed, and you have to take time to be used by God. It's not going to happen by accident. And compassion entails action in this story and in our stories as well. Take the time to be used by God. Conclusion time. Last game time slide. You guys ready? This is going to be an easy one. And don't raise your hand for crying out loud. Yell it out. One, two, three... The ark. He says the ark. It's a picture of Moses in the burning bush. The ark. Oh my God. Chris Bluff. Come to his Bible study, by the way, on Wednesday. Wednesday night. So good. The ark. I'm like totally lost. It's a desert picture. Oh my God. Oh, quickly, hold on. Okay. This. 
I love today. Let me just say, I've loved it every minute of today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's read an, an abbreviated story of this. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, that's Moses, in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. You know, taking time to be refreshed can relate to the inward journey. Taking time to listen to and encounter God can relate to the upward journey. Taking time to be used can relate to the outward journey. This relates to all three. What is about to happen to Moses is nothing short of astounding. Moses grew up a Hebrew, adopted into Pharaoh's family in Egypt, and raised as a prince. When he realized, he made the connection, I'm a Hebrew and my people are being oppressed, the spark of the calling to be a deliverer flared up inside Moses. But he mishandled it. He beat an Egyptian to death that was abusing the Hebrews, and he had to run for his life. He's been in the desert 40 years, tending livestock. His identity, his calling are all on hold. His life is thrown into limbo. He's in waiting mode for four decades. What is about to happen to him is astounding. Moses is about to begin the most intimate relationship with God anyone in the Old Testament ever had. He's about to be the first person to learn God's name. Moses is about to have his identity that's been in limbo for 40 years affirmed and enhanced. Moses is about to be empowered by God and assured of God's help. And lastly, Moses is about to receive a role and position among his people, people as prophet and deliverer. All three journeys radically defined in a moment. And none of it would have happened had he not taken the time to turn aside and investigate a strange bush. We have to take time to be interrupted. And you might say, Moses was walking with sheep in the middle of the wilderness. It was easy for him. He had the time. That's kind of the point. We have to take the time. We have to have it. Conclusion time. This is a quote from the book, Margin. Dr. Swenson says, The clock and the Christ are not friends. <laughs> that feeling of being driven through life, to use the Lord of the Rings quote, like the whips of their masters are behind them. Gotta get to work, gotta get home from work, gotta get to the grocery store, gotta do this, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. We have to find a way to break that stranglehold. We have to. Because we have to take time. We have to take it, because it's not giving itself to us. Everybody gets the same amount. It's the one resource that is fairly distributed to every person on the planet, and we need to take it. We have to. How will you take time to listen to God and encounter God? Ask yourself the question. Commit to it. Commit to it before you have a solid answer. I will figure out a way to take the time to do this. How will you take the time to be refreshed? My schedule doesn't allow it. You know what? I know people are sometimes in busy seasons. I don't, I, I hate even saying the word seasons in that context. I sound like such a Christian-y Christian, Christensen 
seasons. No, it's just a season I'm in. Okay, but it is true. Sometimes there are really busy seasons. There are busy times in life when you feel like you're lucky if you have time to eat. But I know somebody that's been in a busy season for seven years. And after a while, you have to stop and ask, dude, okay, how do we change that? Can we reevaluate? It's time. How will you take time to be refreshed? How will you take time to be used by God? Many of the times that I think I can't stop, I actually can stop. I just don't want to take the time. Is, it, is that too honest? Should I have not been that honest? Is that good? Okay, thank you. Take the time. If you're late to a lunch appointment, oh, I'm sorry, God used me. <laughs> Whoops, where were you for the last 15 minutes? Praying with this homeless lady on the side of the road? Oh, I have no response to that. I guess I'm paying for lunch today. Glad to know you. Last one. How will you commit to being interruptible? Will you let God mess up your ordinary? Because God messing up your ordinary might be the beginning of extraordinary. Amen. You don't know. It was a weird looking bush. And Moses said, I wonder what's going on over there. He felt that pull. And when God saw, he turned aside. His life was changed forever. And so was human history. Commit to being interruptible. And the whole church said, sounds good. Sounds good. Amen. Thank you very much. Let's stand up and pray together to close.